Yo, 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 baby, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of Football Without Hesitation. Oz here, chilling, fucking excited. Here we are. This is what we've been waiting for. <laughs> MLS is coming back. Uh, some teams, of course, have started playing in CONCACAF uh, Champions League, and it's been, it's been pretty good. It's been pretty exciting. Nothing to, I mean, Columbus crew, Jesus fucking Christ. They're just like, nope. Anyway, I mean, well, I guess trying to say it is it's kind of hard to judge major league soccer teams in champions league just because it's literally their preseason i mean some of these teams especially this season it was like some of their first matches ever as as a team back together not an excuse definitely not an excuse it's like that every fucking year so that that's not an excuse but to see columbus just come out and fucking beat the shit four to zero four to zero away i think it was more of a statement for major league soccer teams I mean, CONCACAF winning that shit again is really, really difficult. But they came out, they were like, motherfuckers, we need a week. That's it. We're ready to go. Whoever our week one opponent is, I didn't look it up. I don't know whoever is playing Columbus week one, but I'm sure they're looking at that like, oof. This fucking team, <laughs> defending champs, is coming back, and they are stacked, and they are excited, and they just smashed a team in Champions League. But anyway, let the Eastern Conference people handle that shit. I'm I'm kind of, I'm so happy that Columbus Crew is not part of the Western Conference this year. Um, this this episode, I definitely I want to get into my predictions. I mean, predictions are they're predictions, bro. They're fucking they're pretty they're fun, but they really they don't mean anything. But I'm curious. I'm curious how I, close I can get it. This uh, I went through the Western Conference. I went through how they went last season, what they did in the off season. And what I think they will do this season, and and I I came up with a list. Yeah, it's it's tricky. It's thirteen teams. At first, you're like, ah, whatever. I'm gonna do this, and you're like, I'm gonna say this publicly. I'm gonna say this publicly. Some people are gonna question it, but ah, people are always gonna question it. I don't give a fuck. That's fine. And also, of course, like I just mentioned, Major League Soccer is coming back. The Quakes start off away. They're what first. They're only away game in the first three matches, which again matter for U.S. Open Cup, and they are playing in Houston and they're playing Dynamo. I think that it is an excellent first opponent for the San Jose Earthquakes, and yeah, yeah, we'll get into that. And like I said, if I don't get too long in this or that, if I still have a little bit of time, we'll talk a little bit about the preseason matches. I mean, couldn't really see much. There was that one early in the morning that we finally got to see the Quakes play and do something, but we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait till this weekend. Like I said, I did my predictions. Let's get into that. Western Conference, not only did it get trickier because teams are constantly getting better, but it got trickier because Austin is coming into the league. Austin is the 13th team in the Western Conference, so it just got that much more difficult just by sheer number to make it to the, for the playoffs this year versus last year. So yeah, let's see let's see how I I I see it falling falling out. See how close I get. You know if I get anywhere near close, I'm I'm fucking it's over my whole little insecurities about what I know. If I get anywhere close to this at the end of the season, I'm claiming myself as a major league soccer expert. <laughs> That's my own rule that I'm setting for my fucking self. So anyway, let's start there at, okay, number 13. We'll go from the bottom to the top. So all the way at the bottom, who I think is going to struggle the most this year is Real Salt Lake. I mean, they're just, they're going through not only an ownership change, but a really 
tough one. If you've read some of the stories that came out of there, that fucking owner was, I don't know. He didn't seem like a very good person. He didn't really care. He was more like, I'm a businessman, not, not a fucking, not Santa Claus, you know. He didn't seem to be too concerned about his public image. And I don't know. It was just a whole fucking mess. It was a whole fucking mess with the ownership. And it fucking sucks that all, you know, this is affecting the, the product on the field. Because I can imagine what it feels like to be a, a, a fan of Real Salt Lake. I mean, we complain enough about our ownership over here in San Jose. But to have a ownership that is that toxic, toxic enough that the league has to literally force them to sell the team that that's not got that's not got to be a pretty a fun work environment to work at or of one with a very solid direction of what they're going to do in, on the pitch so because of that be, because of that 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 drama i can only it must suck it must must suck to be a player and have to wonder like who who's going to buy this team are they going to spend the same am i part of the plans here in the future like all the they're thinking all these things before how are we going to beat the opponent this weekend you know and and they're human that that's that's natural you know they got families they got lives they're trying to take care of themselves so anyway because of all that i don't see rsl not necessarily like a lost season there you know all seasons there's always a chance but there's just too much drama going on with that team right now and for them it'd be a nice story It'd be a nice kind of Columbus Crew-esque type story of, like, everybody counted us out. We had to force our ownership out, but the team banded together and worked together, but mm, I doubt it. So, all right, right above that in 12th place, I see our buddies here, Houston Dynamo. I know they they made some off-season acquisitions, some good names too again mostly within major league soccer but names that you're familiar with dude tim parker fafa pical maxi uruti joe corona these are names you know these names they're solid players but uh this is uh tab ramos's second season last season didn't work out too well they actually they finished well dead last at, at that point dead last in the western conference last season i don't see them getting much better because of, I mean, dude, it's weird because they added some solid pieces, but those guys that they, they haven't had great seasons. It's not like they're getting uh, Fafa Picolt after 2018, and he had like what 14 goals? How many goals did he have? Philadelphia, he had 10. These are these are players that you're you're essentially taking taking a chance on. Tab Ramos is still trying to implement his system there, and we've seen with, with Almeida here he is in year three, and and the system is finally looks like he's got all his roster and everything put together so be, because of that uh, uh well i mean i was just saying not they don't it, the ownership group is it's interesting with, with houston dynamo because if you look up the ownership group like and and again i'll get all into this anyway yeah I'll, I'll actually leave this for my analysis my houston dynamo's analysis or what i'm calling my dialysis <laughs> yeah all you people out there with bad kitties are gonna love that joke so anyway, yeah, I'll, I'll get into what I feel about Houston and why they're going to not, I don't think they're going to be that that good this year. And right above them at 11th place, they got the newcomers, Austin FC. I think it's Austin. It's a cool It's a cool city, you know. It's got a lot going for it. It doesn't have very, you know, I don't even think it has any major league sports. So I, I think the city's going to really get behind their team. I know it was kind of weird how they ended up with it. it it's kind of, 
I, I'm still looking at him like kind of like squinty eyes, like, hmm, I don't know what I think about you. I dig the color. I, I like that green, but that pre-court dude is a fucking dick. And if I'm, I, I'm pretty sure that's his name. I'm, I don't, if I'm mistaken his name, I feel fucking pretty sure I know my assholes. Yeah, Anthony Precourt. I don't know. Just what that dude did to Columbus, that, that shit wasn't right, dude. That shit don't sit right with me. And it, it sucks that I'm judging Austin and the fan base because of what their what their uh, owner did. And they're just like, motherfucker, we just want a team. But they got a team. They got a team. And that home field advantage is going to do great, I believe. I think when they're playing at home, they're going to be awesome. But it's just, it's a first-year roster, and it's not, and this is no disrespect to that, but I mean, everybody goes about it their own way. That's why I fucking love. I fucking love that there's not this one fucking formula that everybody's trying to copy that, oh, LAFC did it this way, or Minnesota did it this way, and that's the only way to do it with new squads. No. Everybody's figuring out what's going to work for them in their market, and I fucking love that, because that's like, you're thinking long-term. I don't know. I don't... Austin didn't seem to go out and be like, dude, we're going to come out and have this fucking juiced ass squad that's going to be ready to compete from day one, like uh, Atlanta United kind of did or, or LAFC. And again, I don't give a fuck. No, that's not, no disrespect to them. That's not saying that they're not ambitious or anything. That's just how they are deciding to roll out their team. And that's completely fine. But I don't know. I think the roster that they've currently put together, and and it sucks because there's three former earthquakes on it. But I, I think that that just goes to show, you know, you're not other than Nick Lima. Nick Lima, you, you got a fucking you got a fucking player out of that. But that roster is just the first season. New, you know, everything's new. That roster's not that strong, so I don't see them doing that well. Right above them in tenth place, Vancouver, Vancouver Whitecaps. I don't know. This is the one I was. The more and more I was doing research, the more I was like, fuck, I don't know these guys. Vancouver's one of those that, I guess, almost like Houston. You know, if all the players that, that they got in the off season work out, they can be like they can be a pretty dangerous team. But at, at this point, the conference, the league, is in a way different position that you can't you can't hope for these what ifs and hope that they hit. Most most often they not. There's enough good teams in the league that they're going to put you in your place, and you're not going to do well. I don't know. Mark Dos Santos is it? That dude has just been a successful manager. So you know, so many other places that you can't. I don't know. It's hard to count them out. But anyway, I got Vancouver there, tenth place actually, and also they're Canadian. Can they? Are they? Is it like a Toronto situation where they're not going to play at home? I don't think so. I don't know. I don't know about that. If that comes into play, then I feel a lot more comfortable about my number ten there. Right above that, right uh, ninth place, I have Dallas. Which that that is is I mean I have them falling from sixth place last season. They were they, they finished in sixth place. They were a pretty solid team. I just think I, I th- maybe this is me just being a little bit salty about them being able to be a selling team. But I think they just got a little too overboard with that. You know that they're, they're banking on their their youth coming in and having great seasons to buoy the team up and and keep them going and and successful or. Um, competitive in the western conference but that's asking a lot of young players and don't get me wrong they've shown that they have a fucking solid academy system for sure and this is where if i'm wrong and these motherfuckers are just producing players out of their academy that are mls ready that has their team producing at a playoff caliber and then they're selling them off to europe 
I don't know. Something somebody's really got to be paying attention to Dallas. So this is this is actually me kind of going the opposite of Dynamo in Vancouver, where I'm I'm saying I think that uh, their current success is not going to work. Basically, I think this was, again too many shifts, too quickly, too ma- too many seasons, and the team's just got to get lost in trying to create individual players and and forget you know the the goal is to win mls cup and other teams are going to be fucking hungry and wanting to get up there to win mls cup to play in Coca-Cola champions league like that all that shit is, is mattering a lot more so anyway i see dallas regressing from last year that's the one i'm also whatever but yeah ninth place dallas eighth place final playoff spot and we got the dreaded galaxy. The galaxy's obviously been making some changes. They've made some, you know, they made some additions. And they got Greg Vanny. That was that was a big addition, right? Well, they got that Cabral dude. They got Cabral on a, a young DP deal. He could really turn into a fucking beast. And the, I guess this is from like familiarity, knowing Galaxy too much. I, I think they've been, you know, last season. Coming in tenth place, there that just was not okay with them. They've been rebuilding for a while. They realized they're like I made fun of them at last episode. That's what they do is go get a big player and hope that this big international aging player is going to somehow pull them through into some miraculous shit, which worked at some point. Just look up the long list of aging international players Galaxy have signed in the past, and you'll see that sometimes it did work out. But I think they're finally realizing, all right, let's fucking be a more traditional team. LAFC is now becoming the soccer team of Los Angeles. And, bro, if you're one of the originals and you're Galaxy, you had fucking David Beckham, you had Zlatan, yeah, you, you're going to want to fucking prove yourself. And I, don't, I, I think Greg Vanny just knows Major League Soccer. He's, you know, he... Players, uh, you know, again, like uh, Almeida came here, probably was familiar, like he said, he was familiar with Major League Soccer. He had watched it before. He had followed it. But be playing within it, you, I mean, just look at the roster rules and the how what it takes to sign a player. It, it's a very complicated process. So having someone within the league that's been successful, very, very successful, Toronto FC, come on, that, that's one, one of the class teams of the Eastern Conference. To have a, an extremely successful coach like that coming over, I think, you know, plus the additions they made, the fucking Cabral, bro, I'm telling you. I'm scared. I think he's going to do something. That, yeah, and that was tough, man. That was tough. I I definitely, if it, if it was, like, by emotion, obviously Galaxy's at 13. Galaxy's just going to suck because they suck in my heart. As I pound my chest, I don't know if you heard that. <laughs> I really don't like that team. A fucking bunch of douchebags. Right above Galaxy in seventh place, I have... Our beloved San Jose Earthquakes. And I only have them there because right before I, I flipped them, I had them at six. I had them right above Colorado. I have Colorado at six. And I had Colorado at seven. And I was looking at my list and I'm like, fuck, dude, this is, a, again, I don't care. It's my own fucking list. I could put whatever I want. And like I said, if it was an emotional list, if it was from the heart, San Jose Earthquakes numero uno. San Jose Earthquakes going to win Western Conference. But this is reality. We're trying to be nice. We, we're trying to be friendly. No, 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 I'm trying to be friendly. I'll take that back. I'm not necessarily trying to be friendly, but I am trying to be honest. Like I said, obviously, this is the team I know the most out of these 13. 
But this is Almeida's roster. Literally, this is every single player on the roster now has he's had some kind of say in it. At least the eighteen man roster. And again, even though it's players that are not huge big name players, they're players that are familiar with him. They know his system. They know exactly what's expected of them. The only question is, do they have the physical fitness to do it? Trophies, but they know what they know what's up. Those first couple seasons, we saw the first three to four months of a team of roster not built for this style being forced to play that style and how bad it can be. So I'm curious how good it can be. The only the big questions are again you have a lot of ifs going back to again Dynamos and the Vancouver's is there in the Quakes roster there's a lot of ifs. If certain players have good or exceptional seasons, the San Jose Earthquakes would be a very good low-end playoff contending team. If they don't, they are really struggling for that final playoff spot. And if all those players don't work out, oof, it can get really bad. So that that's why I have the Quakes in, in seventh. They're obviously a playoff team as they were built last season. And another season of knowing what's expected of them, of, of how Almeida wants things run, would help them anyway. But adding a couple of pieces and p- potentially good pieces, again, if Trophies has the ability to be very good and especially very good in MLS. And I've said this before, and I'm not trying to compare him to any players, but I've said like in Major League Soccer, you don't need a huge international name to come in and change everything. Of course, the casual fans would love that because it would give them a reason to tune in because most casual soccer fans don't watch MLS soccer. So I get it. I get it. People want that name to be like, ah, look, our team has this guy. You know this guy, right? Yeah, well, he plays in San Jose. We all want to be able to do that. I fucking get it. But to be successful in this league, you don't need that person. You you, you need a good player for sure. But he doesn't have to be an international player. He could be a kind of well-known continental level player. And this league is still developing enough where that player can change the dynamic of the team enough that you can you can make a run and the 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 example i always go to which again is a little not the best because nico lodero wasn't the least known player but i only go back to it because and i I keep trying to find time to, to see where they were but i believe seattle was in second to last place in 2016 when they signed nico lodero in the summer and they ended up I don't know if they won the championship that year or was it the next year, but they ended up in the M- in MLS Cup final that season from being at near the bottom of the table for the f- whole first half of the season. And uh, granted, there were other changes. You can't just attribute it to one guy coming in, but this one dude alleviated pressure in certain areas that then put the pressure on the opposing team and a lot of teams broke and we're not able to handle that pressure so one person can get you that far anyway i'm gonna keep talking on and on yeah so that that's where i i think the san jose earthquakes because they already are used 
to the system and the players know the system and they have those players that if they have good seasons, they can be better, you know, they, they can outpunch their weight kind of thing. That's where I think that the San Jose Earthquakes will end up in seventh place. Sixth place is Colorado Rapids, like I mentioned slightly there. They Again, not a big splashy offseason, but that's a team. They've just been slowly getting better. They've just been slowly and quietly getting better out there in Colorado. Nobody really paying attention. And they're also, I, I think they're looking down at Dallas and be like, man, y'all are doing it. What the fuck? Like, this is cheaper. Plus, you get to sell people that they're good. So I, I think they're going to be, I think that's going to pay dividends. And then we sixth place this season. And again, I'm going to go slightly quicker now just because I don't want this episode to go on for a whole fucking hour and shit. So I don't mean to disrespect these other teams or anything. I will definitely get to you. We will play you at one point so that we will break down all these teams. All right, this says it to the top five. And, and this top five, I was looking at this list and I'm like, bro, I bro oh y'all are my bros now uh, when it comes to to the western conference i it, you can literally actually divide it into two conferences you know there's like the top five and then there's the bottom eight and those are two different distinct categories the top five teams in the western conference are elite level teams that are always going to be in playoff contention again things go up and down all the time managers come in and out Players get older, get hurt, whatever happens. But these five teams are probably always at least. But these are, again, they've for now marked their spot as the elite of the league or of the conference and would probably always be up there. So how they end up in the top five, I don't know, but it will probably always be there. This is how I have them falling in 2021. Number five, Sporting Kansas City is... Again, didn't really make too many changes. Lost a couple players, but they're sporting Kansas City. They always have uh, the next guy up. I don't think they've missed a playoff since like 2010 or some shit like that. This is a pretty significant number. Well, I mean, if they did, it was an aberration. It happened once. They finished first place last season. So, I I mean, that's a pretty big drop-off, even, even fifth place. Um, but I, I just think the West just got so much better. They got so much better. Sporting doesn't really need to. They're going to be there fighting for that one of the top spots, but everybody else did. And um, so number four, I have Seattle Sounders. Uh, Seattle Sounders, is, is, I, that first half of the season is going to be fucking rough. You know, Jordan Morris got hurt. I don't even think he's going to be back anyway. But they've all, like I just mentioned the, the Nicolo Lado thing. I, I don't know if it was from there. It was probably way before that. But the, they've shown they're not going to make huge changes until the summer. And they know, again, it's it's almost a little bit of arrogance of like, bro, we're one of the fucking best teams. We can turn it on when it needs to. And, you know, if we're just within shouting distance of a playoff spot in the summer, we can sign a player, turn it on, and we're going to be there. And I, I believe that that's what's going to happen, but I don't know how bad that first half is going to be. It's sounder, so it's probably not that bad. That's why I have them for Third, Minnesota. Minnesota's they were fourth last season. They got that Ramon Avila dude from Boca Juniors, which I got. That's an, another so weird, so weird that the because he I think he may have been. I don't know if he was the at least a goal leader in the in the Argentine league. He he's a player where fifteen years ago this would have been a huge signing. Some a young player coming from a giant of South America. To a team in Minnesota. 
<laughs> and this was just kind of big news for the day when it came out. That, that's where this fucking league is. But anyway, Ramon Avila, I think is gonna, I think he's gonna have a, a lovely, lovely season in Minnesota. He's gonna come in and be like, "Woo, this league is fun. This is a lot better than I expected." And he's he's gonna carry them to third. Number two, and I'm sure a lot of people have their list, if they're following along with me, they're like, hmm, there's one team missing here that should have been said by now. But in second place, I have LAFC. LAFC finished last season in seventh place, and I don't think that that sat right with them. They, it, it was obviously a weird season for everybody, but they went out and were like, yo, we're freaking... Anyway, they they re, they restocked a team that was already pretty stocked, and this is just like Galaxy is out to prove that they're the fucking LA team, that they deserve the attention. I know it sounds lame, but what, once it gets going, the you know to have the, the attention of the LA soccer community as their team, that's that's going to be a fucking big deal. That's millions of people. A lot of sucker loving people. Don't disrespect to any big metropolitan areas. That's going to start happening more and more often. But this just happens to be one of the ones with the two teams in it. So Galaxy is going to be like, "Hey, motherfuckers, we're the old, we're the old dogs with the mustache, Pete's, but we're still fucking the fucking team." And LAFC is like, "Nope, we're going to show that we are the team." So the front office went out, got the fucking personnel they needed, and I think it's going to prove dividends. So that leaves number one. I have Portland Timbers. I, I this is also partially because I I just always keep an eye, close eye on Portland. They're just fucking good. They're just so fucking good. This is one of those teams that I I don't know when I would know I was doing a a preview. I think when I used to write for Centerline Soccer, and I was just looking at their roster and i was just like jesus because i mean the sandals are don't get me wrong i love the quakes but you look at some of the at the death chart and you're just like what <laughs> like this is how this is this guy has the opportunity to start against slatan like hmm, that's crazy good for him you know good for that player good for that player for being for earning that spot but uh portland is one of those that you just see and you're like damn you take their top two guys, and that third guy up there is probably just as capable as our starter. <laughs> that's that's how good Portland Timbers are. So I, I think, you know, the, they were third last season. I, I think they're just too good. They're just too good, and if they can stay healthy, there's just nobody better in the West. Not right now. We'll see. But anyway, those are that's my prediction for the Western Conference. That's how I think it's going to play out. I don't know. We'll see. We'll write it down at the end of the season. We'll see how close I get. And like I tell you, if I get any close, 90, 95%, I'm proclaiming myself an expert. I'm sorry. And I'm basically Matt Doyle and shit. Finally, we get we get an actual breakdown of a real opponent. San Jose Earthquakes. Are starting their season playing Houston Dynamo. Oof. Old Quakes versus New Quakes, huh? So interesting when doing my research. I'm like, damn, this ownership's it's got similar ambitious levels to the, to our ownership. I wonder what they have in common. <laughs> Even though now this current ownership has nothing in common with the old, I think it was AEG, 
who used to own everybody basically back then. Now they just own Galaxy. Anyway, Houston Dynamo, they play at BBVA Stadium, has a capacity of 22,039. I don't know who those 39 people are, but consider yourself lucky. It was opened in 2012. Like I mentioned earlier, their manager is Tab Ramos, U.S. Men's National Team legend, entering his second season with them. The team has two championships. The first two seasons that they were in Houston from San Jose. Pretty much gimmies for them. Lucky, lucky you. So, yeah, all right. Anyway, the big the big player, the big name, Darwin Quintero on the left wing. He, he's a he's a creative he's a creative person out there. And I'm anyway, I I'm not trying to jump back and forth, but really my concern is and and I don't know, I'm I'm guessing the the depth chart at this point really. You know, he's just like what is everybody else saying? So I'll fucking follow along with you guys and I'm like, okay, three out of four people say this person here, three out of four people say this person, I agree with them. So this might not be the starters, but right now I have Fafa Picolt starting on the right wing. And if he if he's there, he's that means he's probably gonna go against Marcos Lopez, who Marcos Lopez is one of the big question marks if he starts at left back for the Quakes. He he's much improved, definitely. So much so much improved to the point where it was reminiscent to me of, of Judson's transition. I remember Judson's first several matches under Almeida, and I was like, bro, how can a Brazilian like this not not be that good? Why is he out there? Why why are we putting him out there? He's a liability. And then Almeida showed me why the fuck he was out there because he when he figured out what he wanted him to do, he was the fucking key. And I felt like after that, after Judson figured it out, it seemed like Marcos Lopez became the next project. Because Marcos Lopez was another dude. And I thought he was older at first. I thought he was way older. And I was like, that guy is a fucking liability out there. Why the fuck is he out there? Then I saw how young he was. I was like, okay, I get it. And then all of a sudden it got to the point where I didn't mind seeing Marcos Lopez on the starting roster. I didn't see that as much as a liability I had previously. So that was exciting. But that's still a big question mark. And like I said, Fafa Picolt has not had success for a while now, but he still has that ability. Like I said, the, the Quakes can get hurt on the transition. And if Fafa's doing good, and if Memo Rodriguez out there figures it out and does good, I mean, dude, this is, again, it's those ifs. It's those ifs. If the, if these, if the gamble pays off for Tab Ramos and Houston Dynamo, this is going to be a tough team. But I, I don't those ifs, Going against San Jose Earthquakes, again, not stacked roster, but solid roster. It's not a terrible roster. And it's a comfortable roster with Almeida's system. I think that's too hard for for Houston to overcome, even if those ifs work out for them in the first match. I think that the San Jose Earthquakes are going to come out. They're going to know exactly how they're going to want to play. The new players in Tab Ramos' system are still going to you know, still be trying to figure stuff out, and here are the play. Here are the quakes coming at you at a hundred miles an hour. Now, if the quakes can figure out how to get the ball in the net in the first game, it can be good for them. And they can't. I mean, dude, I don't know. Again, Houston added Tim Barker. That's right. Yeah, that's who's going to be opposite. No, actually, you're going to have Adam Lund. It's going to be Adam more than likely Adam Lund Lundquist going against Christian Espinoza. And yeah, you, if you could put some pressure 
on the goalkeeper there on Marco Merrick. I I, I think they they could do it. I Jutson, I'm assuming he's going to come out and have the same season that he did. Ewell's going to be there, but you know, again, Lima left a bit of a hole. But if trophies can can you know make a second kind of of offensive opportunity location, it's just right now it's Espinosa, and if you can isolate him somehow on the, in the fucking edge over there then your team is is pretty solid i mean it, espinoza kind of always seems to find a way it's amazing but again if you have if the defense has to worry about one other player in the middle and they have to f- shift their fucking focus espinoza's abilities are just amplified then but then again espinoza's kind of shown he he he's not a finisher he can't score a lot I hope he figures it out. That'd be amazing for us. But that's where somebody else has to pick it up. Wando's like, all right, I'm here. I've been picking it up my whole fucking life. But he's get he's getting older. One of the other players is gonna have to contribute. They're better than them. They're better than Houston. Not by a lot, but they're better. And they should be better in that that first that first game. If I'm going score wise, what, what am I gonna say? Because I'm saying, like as you can tell, I think the San Jose Earthquakes win this match. They should. They're better than them. They're better than Houston. Uh, again, at, at the very least, they have a comparable roster. But you added the fact that the Quakes are familiar with their manager system, and it's a very aggressive, high-pressing system. I think the San Jose Earthquakes win. Again, Trophies expands the creative abilities of that team, and they really put some put some work in. So I'm going, I'm saying the Quakes win 3-1. to one against houston that's right i went there three to one that's gonna woof. we'll see soon enough saturday saturday we will know i'm calling it though three to one san jose earthquakes over houston dynamo and then you got dallas and dc dude come on come on. i mean that dallas one is gonna be wrong that's gonna be the toughest one but dc's another i mean dc's this is their manager's first season so that they got two teams who are trying to figure themselves out, and you should be ready to go. You know exactly what you want to do, so you should be able to impose your will on them. FC Dallas, they've also trained. I mean, but they know what they're gonna. They know what they're gonna do. They know what they want to do. Even if the the players are young, the academy they've been telling them what they're gonna do when they get to the big team. So that Dallas game is. I'm not saying that's also very winnable. We got two out of three very winnable games. U.S. Open is based on the first three matches. I think it's points per game. Well, that's the first tiebreaker. Of course, it's going to be a million tiebreakers because it's it's just a dumb way. But I, I don't know. The first for the first month, it, the Quakes can can really have some success, and that'd be dope to see them in the U.S. Open Cup, man. That'd be fucking awesome, and the Quakes have shown that you don't want to play them in a in a tournament type format in a do or die situation. No team wants to play them, not even the elite teams. The elite teams in a do or die situation with the San Jose Earthquakes are going to have a fight on their hands. I don't know. We'll see. Let me know what y'all think. What do you think of my of my Western Conference predictions? Was I was I anywhere close? What'd you think of my dialysis? I'm sure that I'm sure someone's not gonna think that's funny. No, I don't it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I hope. I wish good luck to the Quakes. I'm happy 
Things seem to be opening up. Maybe I can even watch this out at a bar. More than likely, though, I will be oh streaming it at home, I was going to say, but Comcast Bay Area is not. Anyway, thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm sorry for this being a, a long one. I just had to get through my predictions. From here on out, I'm going to do these every week now, every Wednesday. they will New ones will be coming out. We'll be an, analyzing that week's opponent. We'll see how the Quakes are doing and how everything goes. So, uh, yeah, we'll catch you all next week. Week two of Major League Soccer season. Peace out.